You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is That Evil May Be Done Away. (laughs) Don't we wish? And it covers either chapters 6 through 11. This week's been a good week for me. I'm getting super excited to have my kids come home next week for Thanksgiving. And President Nelson is speaking to us this week. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. He's so sweet, and it's always so good to hear from him, to hear actual words of peace and truth. And speaking of words of peace and truth, I found a lot of that in this lesson this week. The opening paragraph says, Hundreds of years after the Jaredites were destroyed, the Nephites discovered the ruins of their ancient civilization. Among these ruins was a mysterious record, plates of pure gold, that were filled with engravings. The Nephite king Limhi could sense that this record was important. Doubtless a great mystery is contained within these plates, he said. Today you have an abridgment of this record, translated into your language, and it's called the Book of Ether. It comes from the same record that the Nephites were desirous beyond measure to read, and when they did, they were filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, it gave them much knowledge, in the which they did rejoice. As you read about the rise and the tragic fall of the Jaredites, you'll find many sorrowful moments. But don't overlook the joy of learning lessons from this history. After all, as Moroni wrote, It is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you. For if we can learn from the failures and the successes of the Jaredites, evil may be done away, and the time may come that Satan may have no power upon the hearts of the children of men. That's going to be a great day. (laughs) These chapters are just full of failures and successes by many different people. These chapters cover about 28 generations of Jaredite people. And this week, we pick back up with Jared and his brother and their families and their friends and their families. After Jesus had brought light to the stones that the brother of Jared had prepared, they put the stones in their boats, one in each end, and they provided all the light that they needed. Then they got together all of their food and animals and birds and the food that they would need and got ready to leave. And I don't know why, but I've always pictured these barges being kind of small, but they had to be kind of large to carry the animals and the people and all of their stuff. And honestly, when you start thinking through this story— This whole project is completely insane, (laughs) and it absolutely would not have worked without the Lord's help. They were in these boats for almost a year. There's just no way it could have even been physically possible without some divine help. And I saw some comments online one day from someone who really doesn't even believe this story happened at all. And he was saying things like, well, what about their bodily waste, and how could the CO2 get out of the barges? And he's right. There are real problems with this story, if you think of it in, I guess, rational physical terms. But we're talking about the person who created the universe helping this to happen. I think of the story of Nephi. When he was in the wilderness, their families were able to eat meat without cooking it. Their wives became suddenly a lot stronger. They were able to deal with things that maybe they couldn't have dealt with before. I think of Noah. He had a similar type of voyage. I think of Lot's wife who turned into salt. Um, the fact that these plates and all of these records of the Book of Mormon came together and were translated into one book that we are reading today is a miracle in itself. So when we say that with God, all things are possible, I believe that's the literal truth. So for me, I don't really have a problem believing that this could have happened the way they said. The Lord needed this group of people to get from where they were at to where they needed to go, and the Lord had to help them do that. That's the only way they were going to get it done. 
I love the description of their voyage in chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, which says, And it came to pass that the Lord God caused that there should be a furious wind blow upon the face of the waters towards the promised land, and thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. And it came to pass that they were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them, and also the great and terrible tempests which were caused by the fierceness of the wind. And it came to pass that when they were buried in the deep, there was no water that could hurt them, their vessels being tight like unto a dish, and also they were tight like unto the ark of Noah. Therefore, when they were encompassed about by many waters, they did cry unto the Lord, and he did bring them forth again upon the top of the waters. And it came to pass that the wind did never cease to blow towards the promised land while they were upon the waters, and thus they were driven forth before the wind. To me, this sounds just so much like our journey through this life. One of the reasons that Jared's family's voyage was successful was that their vessels were tight like unto a dish. And as people, in our own personal vessels, we need to make sure that our testimonies are airtight and watertight. And we can make sure that the spirit in our homes is airtight and watertight. The Lord told the brother of Jared how to build the vessels so that they would be safe. And he also gives us clear directions so that we can put on our spiritual armor each day so that we can stay spiritually safe. Many times Jared's family was buried in the depths of the sea. And when they prayed for help, the Lord was there to bring them back up on top again. And he does that very same thing for us as we pray when we feel like we're buried in the depths of the sea of our own trials. We've all been there. He knows our struggles, and he's there ready to help us whenever we ask. In verse 8, it says that the wind did never cease to blow towards the promised land. The Lord never forgot them. Not once did he let them just sit on top of the water and float along aimlessly. He had a purpose for them, and he has a purpose for us. And we can choose to get in the current of the direction that he's pushing our lives towards. Or we can also choose to paddle our own boats by ourselves. (laughs) But when you think of it that way, it seems kind of silly that we'd choose to do that when there is that strong wind always blowing in a direction that would make our journey so much easier. When you just take a minute and you think about these scriptures and how they relate to your life, I think there's just so much we can learn here. In verse 12, it says that they did land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land, and did humble themselves before the Lord, and did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. I love how they chose to see their blessings instead of focusing on the fact that they had just been in these boats for 344 days. (laughs) That had to have been an extremely difficult experience, but when they got to the end, they were grateful and they were humble. In the Gospel Topic section of the church website under Humility, it says this, To be humble is to recognize gratefully our dependence on the Lord, to understand that we have constant need for His support. Humility is an acknowledgement that our talents and abilities are gifts from God. It is not a sign of weakness, timidity, or fear. It is an indication that we know where our true strength lies. We can be both humble and fearless. We can be both humble and courageous. Jesus Christ is our greatest example of humility. During his mortal ministry, he always acknowledged that his strength came because of his dependence on his Father. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And I feel like our greatest strength comes when we acknowledge the Lord's hand in our lives. When we understand who we are and who he is, we understand that with his help, we can accomplish anything, even things that seem impossible. 
He is our Father, and He loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to suffer in ways that we can't even imagine, and to die so that we might have a chance to make it through this life. And He lets us make that choice to ultimately accept that plan or not. These chapters are full of the ups and downs of the Jaredite people. Because chapters 7 through 11 cover at least 28 generations, we just get a few highlights of each group. And you start to see a very clear pattern. Righteousness leads to blessings and prosperity, and wickedness leads the people to captivity and destruction. And one of the stories that I love in these chapters that can teach us some really good lessons is the story of Jared. Jared's father was named Omer, and he was the king, and he was righteous. Well, when Jared grew up, he rebelled against his father, and he went to live in the land of Heth, where he gained lots of supporters. And eventually, he went to war against his father, and he ended up capturing him. While Omer was in captivity, he had more sons and daughters, and as they grew up, they were angry that their brother had done this to them. So they got an army together and went to battle against Jared. They were able to kill Jared's army, and they were about to kill Jared, but he convinced them that if they would let him go, he would give the kingdom back to his father. So he did, but then Jared was sad that he had lost control of the kingdom because he really liked the status and the glory that he got because of it. Well, Jared had a daughter. And she was a pretty tricky girl. (laughs) And she reminded her father that they had records of people who had made secret plans and oaths to get what they wanted, so maybe they could make some plans of their own. So she convinced her father to send for Akish, and she used her beauty to convince Akish to want to marry her. So when Akish asked Jared if he could marry his daughter, Jared said, sure, but first you have to bring me the head of my father, the king. So they got together and they made a secret pact and they used the oaths that had been handed down from Cain. In verse 16, it says, And they were kept up by the power of the devil to administer these oaths unto the people, to keep them in darkness, to help such as sought power to gain power, and to murder and to plunder and to lie and to commit all manner of wickedness and whoredoms. In essence, they formed their own secret combination. And then Moroni inserts some of his own commentary here, and he talks to us about secret combinations. In verses 23 through 25 of chapter 8, he says this, Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built up to get power and gain, and the work, yea, even the work of destruction, come upon you, yea, even the sword of justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you, to your overthrow and destruction, if ye shall suffer these things to be. Wherefore, the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation, because of this secret combination, which shall be among you. Or woe be unto it, because of the blood of them who have been slain. For they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it, and also upon those who built it up. For it cometh to pass that whoso buildeth it up seeketh to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, and countries. And it bringeth to pass the destruction of all people. For it is built up by the devil, who is the father of all lies. Even that same liar who beguiled our first parents, yea, even that same liar who hath caused man to commit murder from the beginning, who hath hardened the hearts of men that they have murdered the prophets and stoned them and cast them out from the beginning. You guys, I don't even know what to say about this (laughs) other than the fact that as we've read the Book of Mormon this year, we have seen these secret oaths and combinations rear their ugly heads time and time again. These secret oaths and records that the prophets keep trying to bury and hide away just keep popping back up. And if we think that they're gone from the earth 
and that they're not alive and well on the earth today, I think we're just fooling ourselves. Satan is real, and he wants to get every single person that he can. He doesn't care about us one little bit. He just has a continual need for revenge that will never be satisfied. And I've struggled a lot this year trying to find a balance between being informed (laughs) and just being angry about the state of the world and the way things are going. There's just so much that I do not agree with and that makes me worry for the future of humanity. And I've prayed a lot about where I should put my time and energy and how to find that balance. And I just keep feeling so strongly that I need to keep my focus on my home and my family and making sure that we are good, that our home is prepared, and that it's a refuge from all the garbage in the world. And there are times this year, and even in the past week, that I've really failed at that. It's a constant struggle, but it's a battle that I know we can absolutely win if we stay focused on the things that are most important. Trusting in the Lord is easy to say, but sometimes it's really hard to do. But we can do it, and I know that we can find peace through our Savior, and that if we just stick with Him, we are going to be okay no matter what crazy stuff is going on. I know that, and I just need to remember that. And on that note, let's finish the story of Jared. Because of Achish and his secret combination with his friends, he was able to overthrow the kingdom of Omer. But it says that the Lord warned Omer in a dream that he should leave. And so he did. He packed up his family and all of their things, and they got out of there before Achish and his friends could show up to behead him. So here's another example right here of how we can be protected when we follow the Spirit and try to stay on the right path. He will warn us, too, if we listen. And we may not have to pack up and move, but maybe we feel a prompting to buy a few more groceries or save a little more money or some other decision that could really benefit our families in the ways that we need. We see over and over again in these chapters how the Lord protects those who choose to follow him. So Jared was once again the king over the people, and Achish married his daughter. But now Achish wanted more. So he gathered up his secret combination buddies, and they actually killed Jared as he was sitting on his throne speaking to his people. (laughs) So in the end, Omer was protected and safe, and Jared was dead. Well, Achish at this point had kind of lost his mind, and he became so jealous of his own son that he starved him to death in prison. And Achish had another son who was really angry at his father for doing this, so he started a war with him where everyone in the whole land was killed, except for about 30 people, and Omer and his family who had left. So in the end, we see that Jared and Achish and all of those people were dead, and Omer was restored to his land once again. And the moral of this story and all of the stories in these chapters to me is that the Lord does not forget his people, and evil cannot win. Another lesson I learned through all these stories is that what you put out into the world tends to come back around. If you try to do good, good things will happen. And that doesn't mean that if we do good things, we won't ever have any struggles. It says that Omer died having seen exceedingly many days that were full of sorrow. And the earlier Jared's family was stuck in a boat for almost a year. But in the end, they were happy. And they qualified themselves for an eternal reward, which is way better (laughs) than anything we can ever know on this earth. In the last verse of chapter 8, Moroni says, Wherefore, I, Moroni, am commanded to write these things, that evil may be done away, and that the time may come that Satan may have no power upon the hearts of the children of men, but that they may be persuaded to do good continually, that they may come unto the fountain of all righteousness and be saved. The fountain of all righteousness is our Savior Jesus Christ. 
He is the literal light in our vessels. And if we just keep our eyes on him, we will never be lost. And those are a few of my thoughts about this week's lesson. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to try to get an episode out for next week. I don't know how that's going to go with my family coming home. We'll just have to see, but I'll try my best. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at ComeFollowMeWeekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com. I hope you all have a really peaceful week. Thank you.